How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on. Crunch Island. He's <gasps> Jean foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last Crunch Berry. No! No one steals my Crunch Berries. I think you mean my Crunch Berries. Choose your own Crunch Venture with Captain Crunch. Your home is your place of peace. It's clean. It's welcoming. <sighs> and it's definitely not crawling with invading insects if you use Ortho Home Defense Max. Use it indoors on non-porous surfaces to treat and prevent cockroaches, spiders, and ants for up to 12 months. So your home can stay your place of peace, your work-from-home office, and your family's headquarters. Kill bugs inside, keep bugs outside, and love your home. Visit ortho.com for more. Hey, last podcast on the left, listeners. We're looking to get some advertisers to help our podcast stay free as it always has been. We just need you to complete a short anonymous survey that's going to take no more than five minutes. The answers that you give are going to help to match us up with advertisers that are going to best fit last podcast on the left and you. All right, and if you do complete the survey, you're going to be immediately entered into an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card, which is a pretty great uh, prize, if you ask me. We promise not to share or sell your email address. The fucking government doesn't. But we won't send you an email unless you win. Please go to podsurvey.com slash last. That's podsurvey.com slash L-A-S-T to take our survey and get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card or, you know... We're going to sell you some e-cigarettes. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> Henry, what would you do with a $100 gift card from Amazon? I think I would buy the, um, uh, the new expanded edition of Book of the Law by Aleister Crowley. Do something better than that <laughs> when you win with your $100 yeah. uh, Amazon gift card. Thank you all and hail Satan. There's no place to escape to. This is the last talk. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. How was your night? Good, dude, good. Yeah, just did a couple of shows, and then I watched The Returns, and everyone was very sad. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that the zombie one? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. the return? Election. There was oh, an election yesterday. Yeah, oh, yeah, so we lost, huh? I, no one won. No one lost. It doesn't matter. It no was, one ever This country's wins. been bought. And fucking sold. But sold. A long time ago. I don't care what anybody says. Um, we are all a part of an end game that has been played out that started with George Washington's fucking wet dream 29,000 years ago. He never ago. came. I'm just saying. George Washington never ejaculated. Elections aren't real. If you vote, you're just, uh, it's good exercise. I voted for the <laughs> sticker. I voted and I got a sticker that said I voted and then it was a conversation starter with ladies at the bar. Mm, I did not vote. Yeah. Well, no. then you don't get a sticker and then you don't know what to talk about with the ladies at the bar. But the problem with the sticker is then they go like, ah, so you voted? You're mostly getting just like mailmen and like guys that used to be senators. Yeah, that's right. I remember when I used to count on a vote. 
And they always disappointed me. Yeah, and then they go in and they sniff your snicker, they sniff, sniff on your sticker, and they remember the good times, no, the past. Uh, yeah. I want to smell that sticker glue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it smells like 1976. This yeah. country is doomed and doesn't matter. That we've already there are several layers of secret governments that are working yeah. on black op operations that are controlling democracies all over the entire globe. Well, it is interesting. They actually talk about uh, and a lot of the announcers are just like most of the corporate money that came in or the uh, independent uh, individual PAC money. That that came into these states are from out of the states, and everybody on the panels are just like, we don't know where the money's coming from. And that's the secret government. Yes. Uh, which uh, is very true. But I, we'll I, get into that in a later episode. We're going we'll to be covering uh, secret governments, which is very, very fun. Absolutely. We're definitely doing that episode because it's real and it's actually happening. Never mind like, the team of iguanas that are fucking making sure that our traffic is keeping us slow on the way to work every guy. Okay, okay let's, let's get into the episode. <laughs> let's get into it. I'm just saying, I wish that it was lizards. That's the sad thing. It's big, fat, white dudes. It it's doesn't more matter. Reality isn't real. We're just a fucking hologram. All right. Well, Henry's depressed. Everybody, <laughs> welcome to the show. That's Marcus Sparks. God, it's so ha- I'm so happy. It's such a great day. It's such a wonderful day for last podcast on the left. Finally, the wayward son has returned to New York City. Yeah. Thanks for coming back, Henry. The seat is somehow warm. Like, mm. I, the warmth never left it from my bottom. Yeah. It <laughs> takes know? four months for a seat to cool after you sit on it, so you just got here in time. I feel very bad for the family that I'm subletting from because um, my balls have been on over every surface of that place. Because I so, first like, forget that it's not my house, and so I walk out naked. I have these big bay windows. In Los right? Angeles. In Los Angeles. Right. I have these big bay windows that face out to like the front yard and this old man who lives next door. And so, but the thing is that I walk around naked 24-7 and sometimes mm. I'll just sit on the kitchen counter eating cereal. I'm literally like, <laughs> I'll put cereal in my right. lap naked and I'll sit on the kitchen counter and I'll look up and I see an old man just staring at me. He's fiddling with his pocket like mm. he's looking for change. Mm. But he's got no money. You know that for a fact. <laughs> but no, yeah, I've been naked all over that house. I can't, I can't, I don't know what they're going to find. If there's a black light over there that detects smears. All right, let's move on to part two, Charles Manson. Uh, another crack research job, Mr. Parks. Let's get into it. Thank you very much. I now, s- so first of all, like we're going to kind of talk about, well, you're going to notice a lot of this. The, again, what we talked about from the first podcast, it's uh, Manson is no Jeffrey Dahmer. No, he is not. You know, he's He's no John Wayne Gacy. Mm -mm. Manson is a career criminal Mm -hmm. that uh, found himself in a series of circumstances outside of his control. We are not taking the Bugliosi stream of thought here that Charles Manson is a super evil mind manipulator. Right. Uh, We are saying maybe, just maybe... He loved the taste of bush hair. Mm, yes, he did. <laughs> um, and he loved the concept of living in the desert, but he couldn't handle it. No. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also just kind of drugs and stuff. Things get dark when yeah. you, when people when people have been taking drugs together yep. for a long period of time. Just look at that Burning Man festival, day three. Very sad. <laughs> <laughs> We're on day two right now. Well, I want to start with a quote from uh, from Charles Manson uh, when he was talking about uh, the kids that he was hanging out with. Because you got to remember, Charles Manson at this time. He was 33 years old. Right. Uh, and they're all like 16. He's yeah. been fucking nothing but 16-year-olds for about seven months now. The right. oldest, and so it's changing his mind. Yeah, the oldest, 23, 24. Like, these are all kids. Mm-hmm. And he said, the deeper I became involved with these kids, the more I hated the world they came from, the more I hated the world that had driven them from their homes, the more I had come from, the more I began to like myself. I started believing I had some of the right answers in my head. But believe me, none of the answers that filled my head included Murder! 
<laughs> Believe him that. That's how obnoxious and stupid 16-year-olds are. It made Charles Manson feel superior and smart for the first time in his life. And he was just like, these kids are driving me nuts. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I, have this, I do the same monologue when I go through Tumblr comments. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start this episode with something happy. We're going to start yeah. with the birth. We're going to start with the birth. Is it happy? (laughs) Was the birth in a bus by any chance? Because then it's not a happy birth. The birth birth was in a condemned house in Topanga Canyon. Uh, It was Charlie Manson's second child, uh, a little boy named Valentine Michael, nicknamed Pooh Bear. That's actually the exact name of somebody that was just born in Park Slope. (laughs) So that's not so bad. Park Slope, Brooklyn. That's Gwyneth Paltrow's seventh child. Yes. And it's said that Charlie bit the umbilical cord himself. I'm sure that he did because he's a weird (laughs) doctor. No, but again, he's just like, because it sounds like a maniac thing, but it's him just going like, ah, uh, with a knife. Scissor. No, we lost all the scissors. Oh, and the scissor party. We had that scissor tossing party. That's right. All right, now where's it? I'm just going to have to use God scissors. My own teeth, Mary. I need you to just bear with me for a second. I'm going to be a father, Mary. (laughs) That's not so bad, though. A lot of people eat the umbilical cord. It's good. It's got some good vitamins in there. I think it's mostly dookie. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. there's fun. a lot of juices and right, various right. things around there. It's that you a don't shit too. It yeah. is a shit too, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a shit too. So it's around this time that the Manson family, they finally find their home in Spawn Ranch. Uh, Ooh, man. And here's a little song that Charlie sang about there. I can feel my bush hair getting longer. This is Charlie Manson's music, by the way. Play his other song, Satellite. This sounds just like Dave Matthews' band. It does. I was going to say, the the lyrics are reminiscent to a Gavin Rosdale's Bush. It really is. And that they make no, no fucking sense. sense. I don't know. I'm going to go on record here, and I'm going to say that there are a lot of Charlie Manson songs that I like. Marcus has been listening to right. the album for the last two weeks. Yeah, Lie, The Love and Terror Called. I've listened to it no less than seven times over the last, uh, I don't know, week or so. Mm-hmm. He's got a good voice. He's got a real good voice. Mm. Some of his songs are, you know, pretty catchy. It's not a whole lot different than what you're going to find in California in 1968. No, I mean, if you're tripping nuts on acid, you've got this little wiry, weird dude singing that song around a campfire, talking about death and murder every time he stops playing guitar. I mean, that's a hell of a night. Yeah, I'm going to start thinking about that all the time and just being like, you know what, Charlie? He sounds pretty catchy tune. Pretty great. Pretty great. He's like the only musician that you want to hear speak as opposed to actually play the music. I yeah. know. I think about all the years I spent doing mushrooms heavily enough. Dog shit music I was into. Yeah. And I was playing tambourines <laughs> around just being like, they're going to be like, we're going to change the world tonight. You know, just imagine that over nine months. Yeah. And then right. eventually start killing pregnant women. Sure. You can even uh, argue that the Manson family were in reality just super fans. 
Yes. Right. They loved Manson. Not only were they super fans, but they were also a part of his musical journey, which we'll get into uh, here in just a little bit. But before we get to that, we have to talk about Spawn Ranch a little bit. Now, yeah. Spawn Ranch was the main base of operations for the Manson family. Sandra Good, a.k.a. Mm. Sandy Blue, knew a mechanic at Spawn Ranch, and the mechanic put them in contact with 80-year-old George Spawn. Uh, mm. Now, Spawn Ranch, uh, it was mostly used as a movie movie set for old westerns. They used it in episodes of Bonanza, The Lone Ranger, wow. uh, Zorro. Uh, in exchange for simple labor, such as taking care of the horses, cleaning George's house, cooking, and having squeaky fuck him every once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. And the way he presented like them even getting the Spawn Ranch is that Manson showed up with two of the two of his front street girls, mm-hmm. right? And he, you know, he made sure, you know, like, leave the bras at home, girls. Yeah. And they <laughs> yeah, walked yeah. over there and they like they basically showed up. George Spawn supposed to be blind. And like Charles Manson's like, he's like, I heard the man was blind, but he was reaching out and shaking hands like he had fine old-fashioned eyeballs. <laughs> but I knew something. for the fact that he's, uh, I was like, but then later on when I watched him tripped over a rock, I knew then that he was in fact blind. He was <laughs> but, knew, but he was like talking about how George Spawn would come up and like grip their shoulders and stuff and like yeah. play with their women's arms. And he's like, I can tell you that he, he's going for a little squeezy sport right there. So I sent him to my fine young yeah. redhead and she gave him a tug of rub. And guess next thing I know, we got a sweet spot in our boom, spot of heaven called Spawn Ranch. for a tug of rub. That's not bad. This guy was 80 years old. 80 years old. And he was yeah. still getting hard, huh? Yeah, still getting hard. Before still fucking Viagra, squeaky. before the GMOs have been putting our goddamn food, ruining our goddamn bones. <laughs> and Manson said that he never made Squeaky fuck George. He said that the reason why Squeaky right. fucked George was so she could have the comforts of living in the main ranch house instead right. of in uh, the, I guess they were called the outlaw cabins. Honestly, and if you yeah. think about the the, the the main group is literally sleeping on top of each other, a bunch of rugs, they're covered in chiggers. Never, <laughs> they talk about no when like when one person got the clap, they don't know who all gave each other the clap, and yeah, then they all have everyone. the clap. Yep. I think Squeaky made the right choice. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you just have to suck an 80-year-old man's dick so you can get a bedroom. Right. An 80-year-old <laughs> farmer, though. He's probably in good shape, harvesting the land his whole life. I don't know. He's a movie know. farmer. Yeah, this that's is not, true. He's not a real farmer. This yeah. is a movie set. It's Spawn Ranch. I mean, Spawn <laughs> yeah. Ranch does sound like the kind of place you have to, like, gurgled cum just to enter. <laughs> well, they got horses. And, oh, yeah. by the oh way, well, no one had sex with the horses, right? By the way, if you guys want to see the most adorable thing <laughs> that you've okay. ever seen in your life, look for a picture of Charles Manson on a horse. He's so adorable. He's, he's tiny. He's the tiniest yeah. man. He's 5'4". Like, yeah. he was a tiny, tiny little man. He looks like a child at a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been so scared on top of that horse. <laughs> Just trying to keep it together. If I fall off this horse, they're never going to trust me as their lord and savior. Yeah, come on, horse. Nah, this horse is... It's covered in, in butter. It's always covered in butter. You know who did it, man? It was the man coming it down on me, covering all my horses in slick olive oil, so I fall right off of them. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so us here, through our research, what we found. But I do you think that he probably told someone to butter the horse the night before? <laughs> hey, I'm going there. Butter the horse. Yeah. Uh, just but, but why, Charlie? Why? Don't ask me why. <laughs> the next morning at breakfast, what happened to all the butter? I don't know. I'm going on the horse. <laughs> well, I go ride that horse over there, and it better be good and grippy because I'm going to be riding it all over the canyon. Uh, that's where the butter was. <laughs> I got to write down my commands that I give after 1 o'clock in the morning.
on it. <laughs> I got I to write him down. I'm going to give him a squeaky. I'm going to say, squeaky, you hold on to this until 6 a.m. And then and at you 6 a.m. You let me know everything I agreed to the night before. <laughs> and then Someone's at 6 a.m., we're going to decide whether it's a good idea or not. Honestly, Manson, in his own words, has given me a great deal. I'm, I am now on Marcus's team. I have a great deal of sympathy for Charles Manson. Yeah. I just think the man was a stupid criminal. The yes. man is basically Damon Wayans character from Mo Money. You know what I mean? It's like he's that like character of just like he's just like Mo Money. It's just all about like he thinks he's this slick criminal, but actually right. he's an idiot. And next thing you know, he has this gaggle of drug crazed freaks all around him. Well, with uh, Manson, yeah. we can take it back to Gary Ridgway. Gary Ridgway, as we discussed, was adult. He was an mm -hmm. idiot, you know, as far as, you know, normal society went. But he was really fucking good at one thing. Yes. He was really good at killing prostitutes. And Charles, Charles Manson, Manson is really good at eating pussy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, uh, White and, and I will also probably put on record that Charles Manson's the only serial killer that knew where the clitoris was. <laughs> yeah. But Charles Manson, Maybe. what he was good at was manipulating people. Yes. Because as we said in the last episode, he spent from the years of 12 to 19 in prison, and then he spent from 21 to 26 in prison as well. So Charles Manson, little guy, the only way this guy is going to survive in these horrific environments is if he learns how to talk. Crazier and faster and uh, than everybody else. He's got he's to yeah. play a big game. Yeah. And so now we're going to watch... Yeah. We're going to watch a game escalate. Yeah. yeah. The, it gets even bigger when he meets... Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys. No, I love the right. two different sides of this story. Yeah. Yeah, there's two. De Dennis Wilson, he was the drummer of the Beach Boys. He was uh, Brian Wilson's brother, of course. Brian Wilson, the genius behind Pet Sounds, Smile, all that type of stuff. Uh, Wilson was he a. He was the least talented member of the Wilson By family. Far the least right. talented member of the. I mean, he was the fuck up. He was the party guy. He was the guy that liked to fuck all the time. Yeah. And Brian Wilson's insane, right? He's, yes. He's yes. Crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian so Wilson's like, absolutely insane. I'm sure the Beach Boys management were like, we already got one <laughs> Wilson that's hard to deal with, but he's a fucking genius. We yeah. can't deal with this other one. So they would just basically let Dennis Wilson disappear for months while they were making pet sounds. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, so Dennis Wilson, of course, liked to fuck a lot. He's driving down the highway one day, and he sees a couple of mildly attractive women walking down the road. So Manson attractive. Man <laughs> yeah. Manson attractive women. Manson. Yep, and uh, one of the women. <laughs> Manson. <laughs> yeah. Then yeah. one of the women has uh, she drifted away from the family soon afterwards. But one of the others was Big Patty Patricia Krenwinkel. Ooh, yeah. Oh, and this is perfect for Dennis Wilson. Yeah, Here they don't they don't let me record no music anymore. But Big Patty, you understand what I'm talking about, right? They call him a quarter pounder at the mm. ranch. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, but it, oh. so so there are two different versions of the story. Yeah. One is that Dennis Wilson met these two girls. They bring him back to his house. They started fucking. They're like, you got to meet God. You got to meet Jesus. You got to meet our, our friend Charlie. And he's just like, yeah, yeah bring Charlie over. Mm. And then, <laughs> yeah, whatever you're going to do. And so they bring Charles Manson and the whole gaggle over to Dennis Wilson's While man. Dennis Wilson is recording. Yes. Like, he leaves the house and he comes back at right. 3 a.m. And so he comes. But this is Dennis Wilson's side of the story. Manson and his whole coterie show up at the mansion and take over the whole fucking thing. And basically uses money, hang out. They all fuck and they have drugs, they do drugs and they do all this stuff, but basically right. they're a massive leech. Um, but then if you listen to Manson in his own words, Manson's like, I met this cool cat named Dennis Wilson at a freakout party. We we did it. <laughs> they always say the 
term, we did a joint. Yeah. Like, we did a joint at each mm-hmm. other. And then next thing you know, we were rapping about music, and, uh, and we were on the same trip, man. Me and him, just like we knew. It was just like, yeah, he was a beach boy. But me, man, I'm coming up. I'm a wizard from the desert. He's just like, yo, Charlie, you're a real wizard of the desert. And I was like, you all with Dennis Wilson? You've always been right. You've always been my friend. And then he's like, Dennis Wilson invited me to his home, right. and I went over there, and yes, we spent all his money. And yes, we ate all his food. And yes, we gave the dogs of the house body chiggers from, from Sadie. All right? Sure. But he never asked us to leave until he asked us to leave. Then you gotta go, for sure. When Dennis asked you to go, you gotta go. Yeah, But hmm. Dennis was still, he was a little bit enamored with him. Him and Charlie actually became fairly good friends. Well, it's because, I mean, again, you're just getting, they're blow yeah. and drugs. There's right. so much There's so much drugs, there's so much sex happening. You get it kind of, re- re- like, rolled into it, and then all of a sudden you realize, I've got 20 homeless people living in my mansion. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, the Manson family, if you've ever been involved in music in any way, like been a part of a scene, if you've ever been really been into any particular kind of music where there's always people coming in and out, there's always this one weird group of people, usually crust punks, mm-hmm. that sidle into the scene. They come in and out. They've always got girls. They've always got drugs. And there's always one weird charismatic guy at the front of it all. All. And usually they just kind of come in, you fuck a couple of the girls, they go out, they give you some acid, it's fine. And that one weird guy, a little unpredictable, you just kind of put off with them. That's what Charles Manson was to everyone in the music scene. He was just right. this weird little guy with all of the chicks and all of the drugs just showing up and having a good time. Every once in a while, he'll, he'll pull out a knife. Sure. And he'll wave it and around. He'll wave you know, it around. But that's a to. part of what it is. That's a part yeah. of what his mystique is. Yeah. Right. That he's a, and everyone knows that he's a criminal, and everyone knows that he's been in prison most of his life. But he's sort of comical. Yeah, but he's sort of, yeah, he's yeah, like, because comic. he's five foot four. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's looking at this guy. He's like, what's this guy going to do? Because he's going like, yeah, oh, I, right. I rode a spider here today. And he's like, what are you? You fucking, like, you're a Lilliput? Yeah. Um, and then he, uh, I do love, I think it's a really accurate quote that Wilson even said, like, just kind of the phrasing of it. When they were talking about, when he met the two girls, um, and they were describing him, and he's like, he drifted into crime, but when I met him, I found he had great musical ideas. We're writing together now. He's dumb in some ways, but I accept his approach and have learned from him. Because it's true, again, it's just like, everyone literally was just like looking at him like, this guy's a fucking moron. You're an idiot, But he's kind of got something to him. Most (laughs) criminals are extremely stupid, you know, that's the whole thing about it. But, I mean, if you're Dennis Wilson, you don't know what normal is. Brian Wilson's your brother. Right? (laughs) I mean, That's totally true. He has never been around anybody normal in his entire life. (laughs) And their father father is a horrible fucking human being. Eventually, eventually their father sold every Beach Boy song for about $700,000. Jesus Uh, Christ. And that's, I mean, fuck, man. You think that is insane. That's Um, nothing. I love that they're called the Beach Boys, too, because it just sounds like they're about to solve a mystery about who stole the ice cream. That was the best part. And then they were all just <laughs> schizophrenics, losers, Psychopaths. and egomaniacs. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so, but, but through him, he meets... Terry Melcher. Terry which, Melcher is mm-hmm. uh, he was the son of Doris Day. He was the produ- he was a huge producer. He was behind some of the Birds greatest hits like Mr. Tambourine Man, uh Turn Turn Turn. This guy was big in the 60s music business. Turn 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 <laughs> is an obnoxiously <laughs> stupid name for a Things song. Things yeah. used to be simpler. Right. Yes, yes they now did. Now we're going to call this one Mr. Tambourine Man cuz he's got tambourine's guy. <laughs> and then the other one like what what do you want to do when you turn? When you start turning 
you want to turn, turn, turn. Here we go. <laughs> it makes sense. It makes turn. sense. Now, can we please record it? I'm getting blown right now. I'm about to shoot. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so Melcher, he did show an interest in Manson. It's not. He showed an interest in Manson's asset. No, no, right. no, no, he did not. No, he did you not. You liked that, his music? No, you can say whatever you want about Charlie Manson's music, but there was very real interest in Charlie Manson as a recording artist. Because okay. uh, he also, again, you see this tiny weird man with this group of guys. It's a whole right. approach. He actually ha- was a very, very smart in the, ter- in the idea of, of PR, of a pub- mm-hmm. like, um, publicity. Yeah, women, and, showed women up. and drugs. It's and- all manipulation. This is yeah. just a further part of his manipulation. Yeah. He just wasn't. Good at uh, it. And once he, he once he, he could get in the door, but once he got in the door, he didn't have the chops. Yeah, he didn't right. have the chops at all. Uh, so Melcher brought him up. This is for I would love to see the demo that Charles Manson the the process of Charles Manson recording a demo at Brian Wilson's house. <laughs> that that is a day a day that would go down in history. It's like that thing where you like ever it's like. Uh, I took the wrong way. I took the right. I chose the wrong day to quit sniffing glue. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do, and the memories keep cycling, and I get emotional, and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy, and that is not sad. That is celebratory, so you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. 
Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it, and it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Well, the, the so demos- Brian Wilson uh, and uh, Charles Manson, did they ever meet? No, uh, that was. This is when Brian okay. Wilson was in his. I think that's he was in bed. Yeah, he was yeah. like laying in his bed. He was just in bed. for. He was in bed for like three months. Because I think that that would have ended the world, right? <laughs> like that's when the world implodes. Only if Charles they became was... best friends, right? Like if they, yeah. they or, or would have saved a bunch of people, and then all of a sudden Charles Manson and him are just laying in bed together doing that weird John Lennon Yoko thing. <laughs> God, I would love to hear Charles Manson on Smile. <laughs> oh, Charles Manson and Van Dyke you Park getting to together. Smile. Oh, yeah, you got to. <laughs> Smile, smile. He's smile, like, girl, yeah. He's like a hip-hop hype man. He would be great. Uh, so in the recordings, I only did, they've never been officially released. Mm-hmm. But uh, in a movie that both me and Henry watch, where we got a lot of this information from, it's called Cease to Exist, uh, you can hear the producer talking to Charlie, and you can hear Charlie refusing to be produced. If you know anything about music right. in, in recording music. Because they were music, talking about too, because it was like, the girls wanted to look at Charlie when they were singing their songs, and he's just like, no, girls, it doesn't work like that. I put the microphones where they are for a fucking reason. Right, yeah. And they kept moving the microphones around and dancing around. Mm-hmm. And he's Charles. like, man, I don't like this microphone in front of my face. It, sounds, it looks phallic. Yeah, yeah this phallic thing in front of my face. But I put my mouth on it if you want me to, but I probably ain't gonna. Charlie, yeah. we're... Ch- we're desperately trying to record an album here. <laughs> right. Charlie, this is not about you being raped in prison multiple times when you were a child. I was okay. raped. I you know, Charlie. Get over and get out of the fetal position, please, Charlie. Can you put the microphone down here? Well, the thing about Manson's music is that Manson's music was so deeply and amazingly personal. Like his music was the core of him. It you meant really like absolutely it. everything. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like you like it too much, Marcus. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying I'm saying that's how Manson felt about it. When you read Manson's right. own words, you realize that this oh, this whole thing happened because of music. His yeah. music was the so important thing. to him, it which did, is to some degree, which to me, which to me speaks the whole tragedy of it is the fact that like it meant so much to him, and he was still pretty mediocre at it. Yeah, and so yeah. it's like he poured his heart and soul into I mean, this thing that was a thing that would never 
be successful. Well, he's like everybody, especially nowadays. He likes the idea of being a musician, but he doesn't understand the hard work that goes into it. He had everything that a musician has. Drugs, women. Drugs, women. He liked the lifestyle. He liked the appearance of it. And then when it comes down to the actual... I I actually don't even know if it's skill. It's just know-how. He didn't know how to record. He didn't know how to do it. He didn't know how to record. And I think It's boring. Recording in a studio is boring. It's the worst. I'm in the middle of of recording an album right now, and it's fucking... It is the most boring repetitive tedious thing that you can yeah. do as a musician but you have to do it and you have to be produced you have to yes. listen to what your producer is telling and you he can, but he took Manson Charles every, Manson yeah it's Charles Manson <laughs> right. every single suggestion anything he would take it extremely personal it's not that he couldn't follow advice it's not that he couldn't follow directions it's that he absolutely wouldn't he said about the sessions he said they didn't want they didn't want us to perform as I felt we should yeah, yeah. and then Terry right. Melcher then said that they group and the members of the family made premise, promises that they couldn't keep, yeah. which was like... They, that they were talented? Yes, That they exactly. could play music? Yeah. Um, all right, so now the, 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 through Dennis Wilson, we meet the guy that is probably the crux yeah. of most of the the horrible events we know yeah. about Charles right. Terry Melter. And as far as pissing off Manson and making him bitter, even more bitter, uh, the Beach Boys stole one of his songs. Uh, yeah. they which stole, one was it? Cease, Cease to, to exist, exist, which became a song called "Never Learn Not to Love." They completely changed the lyrics. They kind of yeah. they kept the the melody. They kept the melody, and they mm. kept some of the lyrics, uh, but yeah. they changed uh, certain things here and there. But never God, learn, never learn not to love. Never learn not to love. It's I don't a, know what that means. It's, it's a Beach Boy song. It's a mediocre learn. Beach Boy song. The okay. Beach Boys had a lot of mediocre songs. They had right. like one good album. We listened to that title. After you smoke a fucking hog's life. Oh, then you know okay. what I mean? like, yeah, then, yeah. then you'll back. Okay. Then you'll yeah, yeah. never learn not to yeah. love. You'll never learn not to love. You'll you'll huh. get it eventually. I like cease to desist is better. Exist. Exist, yeah. Exist. Cease to exist. <laughs> cease and desist. Cease to, cease to yeah. exist. That's but cool. Charlie saw this. Uh, he saw this rejection of his music. He saw this as a rejection of himself. This is another example right. of the world looking at Charlie Manson and, and saying, we don't want you. He also has that prison mentality where it's been nothing but him on him this whole time. So yeah. he has worked up this converse, one-sided conversation in his head about mm-hmm. how his music was undeniable for years and years and years. And so when he shows and, up. And, and he's also got a bunch of women and a bunch of people telling that are reverberating that you, it back. Right. Your music will change the world. This is the best thing ever. He's His just ego's got, out of control. Oh God, it's so out of control. And so having someone come and say no, someone who, especially someone who knows what he's doing, who's a real record producer, who can then use that power on top of him. Mm-hmm. He, the, he, Charles Manson again has that sort of baby Hitler thing inside of him, that that inferiority complex, and this is what starts. The dark road. Yeah, this is definitely where yeah. it begins. And it Too also, bad. and the person who really takes him down the dark road also shows up this time, a man named Charles Tex Watson. Now, Tex yeah. Watson made, Charles Watson, Tex Watson made Charles Manson look like fucking Robert Oppenheimer. Made him look like a genius. <laughs> Oppenheimer. Yeah, you know, like, Tex like, Watson. Yeah. Tex Watson is a fucking, what a, what a, it's bad luck he's a that self, he got involved. I think yeah. he self-nicknamed himself Tex, too. No, which, George Spawn named him Tex. Nah, give it to him. 
<laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, but he's a, he, no, he has no talent whatsoever, this Tex Watson. Tex Watson's just some dude from a small town in Texas. Right. Uh, he was from Copeville, Texas. Uh, everyone, and he was the person that Charles Bugliosi, the DA that prosecuted Manson, he was the guy that uh, Bugliosi put up as, look at what Charles Manson did to, to these, this, to the this man. Innocent these boy. innocent small town. Like, he was a football player, for fuck's sake. Oh, yeah, there's they don't no do way. anything wrong. There's, yeah, there's no way that a, a football player could ever possibly hurt a woman. And now we know they're the most dangerous members of society. <laughs> well, some of them are. <laughs> yep, he was a, a church-going <laughs> kid. And a lot of these, you see this again and again in the Manson family, a lot of these people had religious upbringings. Well, oh, of, course, yeah, of course. You have yeah. to have had it in order to even understand groupthink. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. all, all fucking standardized religions do is g- teach you groupthink and how to follow along and, and how to follow rules and mm. believe in a fucking magic set of circumstances that are going to punish you just because you've been jerking off in a boy's room every once in a while. Just to ease <laughs> Whoa, attention. What happened? I'm just saying, just to ease attention. To ease the, you had to jack off in the boy's room? <laughs> yeah. Oh my, I don't know what religion that is. Catholicism. Ah, that's mm. right. Yeah, well the priest watches and makes sure you see do it right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, You didn't make the cream big enough, child. Oh. Alright, I'll try it again. <laughs> okay. So after uh, he graduated from high school, he visited California, picked up, moved out west, signed up for jobs uh, for classes at Cal State, and got a job at a, as a wig salesman in Beverly okay. Hills. Wow. Uh, dropped out of school and moved to Malibu, decided to open up a wig shop of his own with his roommate, a store called Love Locks. Uh, <laughs> that only lasted a few months. Uh, what do you really? mean, though? The big, it's Why not, though? It's, yeah. yeah, it's fucking the wig market. It's booming right now. <laughs> it's Malibu. Yeah, yeah the 1967 whip, wig market when people were in Jeez. need of long hair. There was a bubble. Yeah. There was a bubble. And the bubble, bubble popped. And that's yeah. a shame that Tex Watson was a part of that, the, one of the casualties to the bubble, it's the sad, wig bubble. Yeah. In 64, everyone went uh, went down to Los Angeles, and Malibu was short hair. And they said, this isn't cool. And overnight, you got to change. <laughs> you got to go to the wig store. <laughs> Oh, uh, wow. So to pay rent, Watson starts uh, dealing pot full time and starts getting involved with the criminal element. Uh, Charles picked up Dennis Wilson hitchhiking one day because Dennis Wilson just liked to hitchhike. As, right. as Charlie Manson person. said, like I said before, he was a bit of a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Wilson invited him back to the Manson uh, to the mansion, and that is where he met. Charles Manson and as Watson says and Watson and all the people who were it's really interesting to me uh, when you so, t- look at the interviews with the Manson people the Manson people who got caught immediately just flipped on him and just said you know what no he just did all this stuff to us he uh, he brainwashed us but everyone who didn't get caught was like yeah we're still on this trip man yeah. we're, we're fucking on this trip forever we ain't right, never right, getting right. off of the fucking Manson train but the people who are facing death row said oh no we were good Christian Absolutely. kids of course listening what to Patricia Krenwinkel like when she gave this interview afterwards she's like I will never ever forgive Charles Manson for what he did to me. And it's just like, he fucking, he finger-banged you until you could learn how to smile. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You were loving your life. Yeah, before it was all frowns and moons, and now it's all sunshine and smiles. Let's just go ahead and we're going to say it right now. Everyone involved in this scenario is an idiot. Is an idiot. All these people are idiots. They're all dumb. They're all extremely impressionable. They're all just looking for something. They're all just looking for someone to follow, and they're dumb enough to follow an ex-con named Charles. 
Charlie. And Tex right. Watson was basically kind of a loser dude who couldn't ever figure out how to do it. And they were saying here, like, you know, he struggled how to accumulate all I could, the right car, the right clothes, the right things, and would somehow com- complete what I thought was missing inside me. Now I gave all, everything I had to Charlie. Suddenly, I felt very free. And then but Charlie was-, was just like, what am I going to do with all these wigs? <laughs> all you got is wigs, Tex. Get no, out of here. Listen, Charlie, listen. We take all the wigs. We we sew them all up yeah. into him. Yeah. Wig monster. Now <laughs> you can stay. Make the wig monster happen. Technically, that's an idea, Tex. Yeah. I don't know where we're going to utilize it yet, but I don't know. We also just got a trampoline, so if you could go tighten the springs of that trampoline, that would also be great. Thank right. you. Thank you, Tex. Every cult needs a wig monster. <laughs> so Tex got brought back to the, uh, got brought back to Spawn Ranch. So it was Dennis Wilson, though, just to clarify, Dennis Wilson's the one who introduced Tex Watson yes. to everybody? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. Dennis Wilson... He's got a pretty big hand, inadvertently. Like he, but then he also is checked the fuck out as soon as the, everything yeah. went down. Yeah. yeah, as soon as everything went down, he checked out. But he really, without Dennis Wilson's influence, none of this would have happened. Right, right. Absolutely. It's really interesting how it's these tiny little connections that made this. So first, it was the the van, the van. It, yeah. it was the Reverend's van, mm-hmm. and then it was Dennis Wilson's involvement. These little things all sort of like strong. It's because there's a lot of sort of like fate involved in yes, all there this, is. and sure. it, like all this stuff kind of was a fragile thing that led to the murders. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. You you yeah. watch it and it's kind of, and we we talk about this before about how like watching the the fall of the Manson family is like watching the fall of the 60s itself. Yeah. Um and right. it's it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, and it happens fast. But we'll get to that here in a bit. Uh, this is funny. Uh, Tex Watson, uh, Charlie helped him out with his sexual inadequacies. How do you do that? Uh, sometimes he would fondle in baby Tex, and then he'd send him to have sex with a woman that Manson had pre-selected for. So him. Manson would fondle his nuts a little yeah, bit? Yeah, she would give tuck him a little Yeah, a little And then that's what got Tex hard. Give him a back rub and say, like, come on, man, you're good. Just go out there and fucking get that kid. Yeah, let me. You know how many times, I don't know how many times where it's like maybe I'm not in the mood. And sometimes I think about, you know, you know I really wish I had a I wish I had a scraggly five foot four bearded <laughs> yeah. man who was just ripped on whatever he hasn't yeah. been bathed in, in maybe months no he smells I, like sex I really want him to be tugging on me right because that fucking gets me going like a lawnmower so <laughs> we, we know Tex grew, grew up in a religious background he moved to Malibu to open a wig store and then he got stroked off a bunch by Charles Manson so he's gay then <laughs> is that right or no 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 it's the not. opposite it's he's very very he's, very straight he's yes. very straight yes, yes straight enough to straight. get wigs and straight hey. enough to get hard for a dude it's a time of free love people these people right. are outside of your judgments Ben oh, no I'm not judging I'm just saying maybe Tex could have just really no, benefited doing- from a loving relationship. During this time, Charles <laughs> you know? Manson was doing like with the, during the involvement of Dennis Wilson, they put him in touch with a lot of Hollywood people. And so Charles Manson was always talking about. He's like, you wouldn't believe the kind of raps and kind of trips I was mm-hmm. tripping on, man. When I walked out to these parties, it was like all sorts of. I won't even begin to name names, but yeah. the biggest celebrities you know all love to do blow, get turned on, and right. ball each other out in the backyard. And I saw men on men. I saw men on men. <laughs> right. You know? And so he was talking about how he was. He was approached by a very famous Hollywood actor. Yes. And he was like, I was on set because he was 
apparently they had asked him to advise on a new movie about Jesus Christ. Allegedly. Allegedly. Right. <laughs> that he was advising the script and he was like, you know, it's like, and I'll start to tell these screenwriters. And I kind of knew it was like, maybe I could be a screenwriter. And it was like, I'd love to see the movie called, you know, like, it's called Banana Beepa. Takes a Walk. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> and so he, he goes. Nah, then the banana gets peeled, you see. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's short. Um, but he saw this. Uh, this uh, this famous actor and him were kind of talking about stuff. And he's like, so and the actor comes up to him. He's like, I heard you have connections to get certain things. And he's just like, let me guess. You want it in the mouth of the ass. And they go into his dressing room. Mm. He fucks his actor, yes. right? They come back out, and he's just like, you know, and I hate to do it, but I love, you know, I'll show anybody a little attention. Like it's it's like he's always right. about giving love. Give I always give love. Oh yeah. Um. And so finally, the actor invites him over to his house, and he's just like, I show up in his, I show up at his his old fancy mansion. His old lady sitting there in a satin robe hanging over, and I can see her bush hanging out. And I was like, ooh, this is about to get a little monopoly in here. And he turns <laughs> over. <laughs> he turns around, and so he was just like, I, I was thought I was going to be balling the two of them together, but the next thing you know, he motions me over to his wife, so I start eating around, you know, I start going, giving to the push and push, mm-hmm. stick him, got, I got all, because he always used to say, I pushed it deep in her, oh, pushed yeah, it deep yeah. in her, yeah. and, so, and his uh, sexual espo- exploits can go on for pages upon pages, very yeah. graphic, but then literally, so he's, bang, like, bang. he's like, so I pulled down my pants, and I started fuck, and it's like, it's kind of hot, and then you put Charles Manson in it, yeah. it's like, it's, like, <laughs> right. it's kind of hot, and then it's Charles Manson in the singer. Yeah. And so he's fucking in the dude's wife, and he's like, so I sit there, and he starts just kind of, you know, he starts giving himself an old tug of rub, and I'm sitting there, and I'm fucking his wife, fucking his wife. Next thing I know, he hears pants sliding down his ankles, Uh-oh. and I was just like, I've been raped before. <laughs> and he was like, I will not be raped again. But he settled up, and they like walking like a dog on his hands and feet, walking around, so sucking on his wife's toes. Wild. And then the next thing I know, when I was done, he fo- he folded up five $100 bills and put them in my front pocket and told me he'd see me every Friday. And that man was Robert <laughs> Wagner. Robert <laughs> Wagner, a little known fact about the Wags. It's just so funny where it's just like, I just cannot, I cannot he, believe that someone would pay right. him to have sex with, you know what I mean? Like, $500, yeah. and this is what, the 60s, right? Yeah, that's this like big time money. It's like, like three fi- grand. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Just, to, But he's a prostitute. Sort He's just of. a sexually assaulted prostitute kind in a lot of, of ways. Kyle. I mean, the way he tells it, and uh, I mean, really, if you look at it, the kind of hold that he had uh, over the people in the family, he talks about himself as if he is the no one in 1968 in California fucked better than Charles Manson. Yes, it's possible. that's how he Although tells he did it. Seem a little bit freaked out by the toe thing, which is. Pretty JV considering what Charles has done. Absolutely. <laughs> you know. No, he's just like, he always talks about like finger banging girls until they're skyrocketing orgasms. Yeah. yeah. And then like having sex for days at a time. And then also, yeah, but then he's he, like Sting. He was kindly also playing the thing where all the girls always loved being on top of each other and listen mm-hmm. to his every one of his commands. And I was like, I don't know. I still feel like there is a level of of uh, agreeable brainwashing where you kind of give up yourself to yeah. it. Yeah. And I don't think necessarily like, there's a lot of rape happening. You know what I mean? There's a lot of Possibly. rape happening, but they have to all pre- go along with it because mm-hmm. you're afraid of this man. You're kind of afraid of Charles Manson. You don't yeah, think so? Were, no, I, don't, I really fun. don't. I don't think there was any rape involved. 
I, I think that Charlie Manson was a consensual type. I'm going of guy. to send a letter to Patricia to fucking the Big Patty and see what she says. <laughs> yeah, Big oh, Patty. Oh, you know what Big Patty's gonna say. <laughs> you don't even have to send the letter. All right. So, so what so is the next? So, so now it's we. They're adding the final when, members of the family. Yeah. Right? This is a, when the this is when the family finally starts coming together. Uh, next up, they add Leslie Van Houten, who is one of the four people involved in the murders. Uh, she was born in California, Alta Dana. She had a lot of adopted younger siblings. They were all orphans from the Korean War. Uh, her, she was a good student. Her mother said her grades were never good enough for me. God. Yeah. And so she, of course, wonder why she ran into the arms of Charles Manson, who was just like, what school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what school all about? And she played the sousaphone as well. Oh, wow. And the drums. Yeah, they said that she looked hilarious to get in that big burp, 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 <laughs> big tuba walking so down the had, field. she had one of those tiger moms. Yeah. It's yeah. Not- and then the tiger <laughs> mom drove her to Charles Manson. Yeah. Mm. She was a happy kid. Uh, her parents divorced when she was 14. At she was 16, good looking, too. She was good looking. Leslie Van Houten was, you know, arguably the best looking member, although I'm more of a squeaky guy myself. Squeaky's That's, gorgeous. Squeaky's, squeaky's actually very gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Squeaky's, yeah. squeaky's yeah. a gorgeous I just woman. Her jerking off the 80-year-old blind man, that's what kind of hurts yeah, me. I, I mean, don't you mind just, it. You forget about it, you know? <laughs> I like it. Like, I don't mind. I, I think it's sweet. I mean, it is kind of sweet. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I don't know. Why did they have Fat Susan do it, though? If she, He's blind. Send Big Patty in there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think, yeah, I think you're right, Henry. Squeaky just jumped on the right situation. Squeaky, you know, hey, she wasn't involved in the murder. She got a bathroom. Yeah, she, she did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she did try to kill Gerald Ford about six but years later. But that was later. a thing. That was, that, a whole, was a that was a publicity whole, whole different thing. It. Yeah, that maybe was a whole she, different she thing. She thought she was just shooting at Chevy Chase. That was her, <laughs> that was her Lady Gaga meeting. Meat dress. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so, you know, the funny thing about her is that this was not the first cult that she joined, the Manson family. Her first uh, cult was called the Self-Realization Fellowship. She was oh, dating this... boring. Yeah. Well, that is actually... It's a real place, too. It still I mean, exists. It's real, yes. It's a meditation resort. It sounds awful. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it, it, had, it was enough of a cult where they had nuns and monks. Because she was oh, dating okay. this dude named Bobby, uh, who had introduced her to marijuana and acid. She was dating this dude named Bobby, and he brings her in. He, and she said, "If you want to be a monk, then I'll be a nun." She lasted eight months. Yeah, wow. uh, and she stopped doing every single illicit these activity. Cults, these cults have a lot of uh, like high turnover rates. Big it seems turnover, like huge it. turnover rates. The Manson family had a gigantic turnover rate. That's I mean, what Scientology big... found out, and that's why Scientology locks them in for life. Oh yeah, I mean the mm-hmm. Manson family at its largest was about thirty members. Jesus, uh, it was a, yeah. So. It, I mean it's. Bigger than I think most people think. Because you think about the Manson family, you think about like eight, nine people. But at one point, yeah, it was up to 30 people listening to this asshole talk. Uh, but she was in the SLF for about eight months. She went to business school to become a secretary for him. But she got bored, left, went to hate Ashbury in the late 60s. And she said uh, by the time she got there in like 1968, she was. She said it was, quote, just all gutter. Yeah, it must have yeah. been really nasty. It had to have been terrible. By 1968, I mean, the... the Hate Ashbury and hippie movement lasted for six years. Yeah, right. If even that, uh, yeah. I mean, you could even uh, you know bring it a little bit in in a little bit closer to maybe four or five. Like the true hippie movement was very very short. Uh, and this is another thing mm. uh, to keep yeah. in mind is that the murders happened August eighth, nineteen sixty nine. Leslie Van Houten joined the Manson family in nineteen sixty eight. 
All okay. Manson had gotten out of prison in 1967. All of this that we've talked about has happened in like a year and a half. Yes. Right. Everything that happened with the Manson family happened within the span of a year and a half and to of two course, years. Again, it, keep in mind, this corresponds perfectly with the end of the wig movement. <laughs> you know, 1966, wigs were problem. flying off the shelves. Once it became fine to be oh bald, once bald right. meant sexy, that's, that's been the downfall of this whole fucking country. That's right. <laughs> so the next guy to come in who uh, knew Leslie Van Houten, this guy named Bobby Boussier. Boussier? Uh, A.K.A. Cupid, A.K.A. Jasper, A.K.A. Cherub. Hey, I'm Jasper. <laughs> Y'all want some quiche because I made some quiche? I'm not... I couldn't find eggs, so it's dirt. It's yeah. dirty. I call it quiche, though. Hi, y'all. Hi. Casper, Cupid, or Cherub. Yeah. So he's fat. he's just a fat, weird, kissy, yes, kissy yes. kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was he's a chub- everybody. He, he was a chubby short dude. It but, made me yeah. fun. Yeah, it's me. I'm the one. That's yeah. what I would have been in the Manson family. That's cool. Uh, Bobby would be the man holding the knife in the very first Manson murder, before I the tape murders, that would before be the Labianca murders. Uh, and mm-hmm. he's a guy that was actually really plugged into the six. Counterculture. Uh, he was in a band with Arthur Lee called Grassroots. Grassroots would eventually become Love. You fucking missed that train, wow. didn't you, yeah. fucking Bobby? <laughs> uh, and he also was friends with Frank Zappa. Uh, he was a backup singer on Zappa's first album. And he also, he was supposed, I was actually talking. I didn't know that he was in uh, in Lucifer Rising. I was actually talking to Ragnar about this because as soon as I found out that he was in Lucifer Rising, I was like, holy shit, Ragnar needs to know about this right now. But uh, he did some further research and found out that he was supposed to oh, play he Lucifer. Cut. He got cut and from a Kenneth Anger movie? He got cut from a Kenneth <laughs> Anger movie, yeah. He was supposed to be in Lucifer Rising. What happened? But didn't make the cut. Yeah, so maybe just didn't, probably didn't show up. Yeah, yeah fat and weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. used the grip. They used the guy who was supposed to do sound that day, and they're like, we don't need sound. We'll just make it up as we go. You know, it's a Kenneth Anger movie. Yeah, it's yeah, perfect. exactly. Uh, so Leslie and Bobby, they were wandering around California. They ran into the Manson family bus. Uh, Bobby already knew him. Leslie, she fit right <laughs> Right at, and she said, it was like I had known them forever. It was like walking into a group of old friends. Again, acid helps. Acid helps a lot. They were real dumb. Yep. We were real dumb. And we yep. just fit right in together. So it's the fall of 1968, and this is when shit starts to go and south. And it happens in like a month. But fall, it's such it's, great weather. Yeah. yeah especially in Los Angeles. Mm. It's beautiful this time yeah. of year. Yeah. And so and so think back to the time of, you know, Dennis Wilson and Terry Melcher. Manson's been trying to get in a recording forever. He's been rejected again and again. His bitterness is rising. His anger uh, is rising. Meanwhile, they're trying to build a new, like a big thing during this time, too, is that they're trying to find a new spot because yeah. they're getting kicked out of Spawn Ranch over and over again. I wonder why. Because Squeaky's not <laughs> doing the goddamn good work anymore. But literally, anymore. you've just got like a group that's swelling to like 40 almost and yeah. it's just now it's turning into bikers and it's turning all these like people and they're just doing drugs and they're fucking the place up and everybody's covered in dirt and the whole but yeah body chickers everywhere yeah. and they found they're like okay so they went out into the, they basically found a they just found a completely isolated desert spot. A couple of ranch houses That'll in work. Death Valley. Yes, yeah, so that they found somebody a- knew it was somebody knew it through somebody. I mean, there was everyone knew somebody that got them somewhere in the Manson because family. Because the Manson family was also sort of getting torn apart by inner tensions. Now, now it's becoming this point where they're literally they've kind of just been waiting for for Manson to make it in the music business. Yeah, right. like like so Manson's gonna make Charlie's gonna make it, and we're all gonna go with him. And then when Charlie 
wasn't getting the, the fucking over the lip. Right. They were like, okay, um, well, where do we go now? What do we do? And they're like, they would have these open dinners where they would like all be able to like speak their mind, and they'll all be like, I want to go to England. I want to go back to mm-hmm. Mendocino. I want to do this. I want to do this. And like Charlie's like trying to figure out what to do, so he finds a new desert location that is just fucking in- inhabitable. No, that, it actually was all right. It like was it had it had uh, running water. It had hot springs. But the problem is there was nothing there. There was nothing around it. And they, they were, were in Death Valley for fuck's and sake. And he has well. no idea how to live in the desert. And so he became his new project was to get everybody because Charles Manson was obsessed with living in the desert. He thought that it was the only place that he could find peace. And so he was like, we'll all go out to this place and that was going to be our new project. But everyone's like, we don't want to live in the desert. We want to live in Los Angeles. And he's like, um, oh, there's a race war happening. And then it turned into this. It became, You're going to see and him the- trying to give this group a, a new identity while converting VWs into dune buggies for some reason. Over Very this. fun. <laughs> Very fun to do. If oh. there was a reality show, if, if it was nowadays, uh, so, yeah, they so, would just be, they would be reality so shows. So in November 1968, we have, a, we have an album come out. Yeah. 1968 is when the White Album comes out, blowing minds all over the world. This is when Helter Skelter comes about. Now, it's really true. Charlie was talking about the Beatles in prison when he was talking to, like, creepy Krampus. Yeah, he was talking to Alvin Krampus. Yeah, or Krampus. Or not Krampus, Krampus, yeah. And so he was was referencing the Beatles, but we see in Manson in his own words, so he talks about it's really interesting because he's just like, I didn't know anything. I didn't know goddamn one thing about the Beatles. (laughs) I was in jail. Like, I respected them. I liked them because they were successful, and I liked the music a little bit. But I was in jail from 1960 to 1967. I missed the Beatles. Totally missed them. And the Beatles, you can't listen to the Beatles if you're in jail. You're going to get raped immediately. And so he was like, yeah, I love it. He was was like, my favorite music was the old guys who really could sing, like Paul Anka and and, and, then Sinatra, Bing Crosby, Perry Coma. Yeah. Yeah. He said that the people that were really into the White Album and deciphering the lyrics, that was Susan Atkins and this other guy, Little Paul. And Susan Atkins, of course, was one of the murderers. And so now we're going to sure. learn that Charles Manson, the ever-changing con man, knows that you're going to have to follow the group vibe. The yeah. whole vibe yep. is now moving towards, like, they're all listening to the White Album, dropping acid, start having these, like, long, weird conversations, and he's got to jump into it head first and be with, the, hang with them. Yeah. And we're going to see these philosophies come out yeah. of that time period. And there's other people in the family starting to get really fucking dark. Tex Watson, uh, he had a bit of a bad trip that really turned this guy on his head. Uh, He walked into the kitchen one day, and this guy named Indian Joe had gone out to the desert. Which is weird, is it? Because he was Italian. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, Italians used to play Indians in movies all the time. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it made sense. Still do. So... He had gone to the desert uh, to get a uh, a plant to make a sort of like psychedelic tea this with thing it. called belladonna. Yes, belladonna root, um, mm. and belladonna root. Uh, unfo- yeah, uh, we all not, know. We yeah, all the, know the what we're thinking star. about when we say belladonna. Star, yeah, we all gaping. A, yes, yes. Yeah, you got to put it in your butt. You got to put the root in your butt. <laughs> I guess uh, you're maybe. just like. Stop licking the microphone. I'm not covers. licking the Stop microphone. It. Oh, that is, I thought it was a breast. Yeah. <laughs> that is the microphone. I apologize. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. 
and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanadas already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So Belladonna Rude, the hallucinations are supposed to be terrible. Yes. Like they're supposed it's to like be angel, terrifying. It's like angel trumpets. Where it's yeah. photorealistic, insane hallucinations. And basically, you're not supposed to cook it inside. Indian Joe starts boiling this root in order to make the tea, and it's creating poison gas inside. Tex right. is a fucking moron. Yeah, he walks in. Huffs it, yeah. yeah, he pulls it out of the thing and eats it. He's like, oh, what's this? And he yeah. eats it. He goes put, off on a trip for days. He eats it like a baked potato. Like, right. you're only supposed to sip this tea. He brings this fucking belladonna root out, and he eats it, like they said, like a fucking potato. Like, just starts chomping into it. So he ruined it for everybody. Like, he ruined it for everyone and also lost his fucking mind. And he was never the same. Yeah, he went out to Van... They found him in Van Nuys on his hands and knees, crawling through a crowd of children saying, beep, beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> it's a funny thing. But when that you're trying to. a funny thing because when if you're, you're a kid, then you're like, oh, look at the human train. He's fun. Yeah, that is fun. Uh, <laughs> um, no, he, uh, but then he was never the same after that. So, wow. yeah, so we're going to see. We're, he's going to basically influence the, the other half of the group. Yeah. While Charlie was out balling whatever new girl that he could find to bring into. Just to mm. make the group bigger. Yeah. Was Dennis Wilson still around? or he No, by now no. Dennis Wilson had left. Uh-huh. Yeah, by now he had left. Uh, but Manson, he thought that the Beatles, well, and but a lot the helter skelter theory is really Vincent Bugliosi's theory. Yeah. So this is a lot of this stuff that we're going to be talking about. This is what Bugliosi says, but it's also kind of the stuff that you know Susan Atkins got on, and the stuff that Manson just went ahead and 
follow. And now, again, this is where the two stories diverge, where we're going to talk about the his side, the Bugliosi side, which is the idea that Manson um, is a master Kingpin, manipulator and yeah. did it, and then I'm going to read the actual speech that hit, Manson supposedly gave yeah. uh, from his book, Manson, His Own Words. Yeah, so according to, uh, to Manson's followers, he thought the Beatles were prophets, they were tuned in, uh, and he said that everything that in the in the double LP had meaning, even the cover of the White Album, that was the Beatles' way of showing their allegiance to the white race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and according to Charlie's interpretations of the album, a war between the blacks and the whites were imminent. A war would start when blacks would commit a series of brutal murders in posh white communities. And according to Charlie, the Beatles wanted him to release his own album, which would trigger the pending revolution and map out an escape route into the desert for the chosen few. And the family would move to California's Death Valley and hide underground until the race war was over. And then because right. the, because quote unquote black people would not be able to govern themselves, the Manson family because would rise due to from inexperience. Due to inexperience, mm-hmm. they would rise from the hole in the desert and they would teach them how to revolve around their own government. Yeah. Now, this is what Bugliosi said? Yeah, and that, that, the that Charles Manson right. used this theory to make the kids murder. Okay. Now, so this is, so basically what how Manson kind of puts it down in his own words is that everyone was just basically ready to split. Everyone was like, was ready to leave. Yeah, the they were group. in the middle of nowhere. They, because they were. Tex Watson still dumping on his, dumping in his own pants. And you know, his album isn't coming out. They they want to move to a new spot. So he gave this speech about how like he's basically started talking about how like because the, they were all like bitching about the the desert and and he started screaming the desert's got everything. Hell, the whole desert ain't nothing but an upside down river. Water's running under every instrument. How do you think those springs stay full? You just have to know where it's at. I came across places out there where the sun don't beat down on you all day and it never gets cold in the winter and water's everywhere. It's underground. I I haven't explored it yet, but I sat on the edge of the hole and I watched the water flowing underneath. Man, the possibilities of that place are endless. And hell, we could find that hole again and build our own city in there. Why do you think we've been breaking our asses and put together all this equipment, dune buggies, generators, supplies? All the gas we've been stashing out there to make going into that desert of paradise. Barker's and the Myers place ain't nothing compared to what we'll have going for us. When our records hit the market, we'll build our own town. In the meantime, if we put our act together, we can make the desert just as comfortable as we want it to be. Think about it. No rent to pay, no laws to obey, and no cops in our asses. Hey, we'll be one step ahead of anything that goes on in this world. Look around you. The worm's turning on the white man. Him and his pigs have put the dollar in front of everything. Even his own kids. Blackie's tired of being the doormat for the rich man's pad. So while the white man's locked into his dollars, Blackie's bald, bald, the blonde, blue do- blue-eyed daughters and making mixed babies. It's all leading to bad shit. Real madness is going to explode soon. Everything is going to be helter-skelter. But that won't affect us, because we'll be in a beautiful land and only we know how to survive it. To be ready, we need equipment and supplies with the tons. If we have to do a little stealing and to get what we need, Let's do it. Yeah, right. That's a great speech. It's, no, great, it's very yeah, motivational. It's and very, it, yeah. You know, and it is, he was very paranoid about the race war. Well, the, because, the whole, the black and white thing, that was something that he was paranoid, that he became right. more paranoid about later. But in the well, beginning. Well, probably goes it, back to his prison life as well, right? I mean, I it's very it had segregated. To do with it. And he does, you know, in, to, in full disclosure, Matt's in his own words, throws out the N-bomb a couple of Quite times. Quite a bit. And yeah. the whole thing, too. But basically what he's saying is he gave an ignorant speech about what the desert was and what they could do for it and they took all this yeah. and then they took all of it and they and they use and I'm, I'm i'm certain that there's i i just can't help but i just don't think manson's smart enough he's not to no. have actually manipulated him i think it literally just kind of came out of his mouth and they're all like yeah 
That's yeah, because yeah. he was just trying to buy time. He's not right. forward thinking enough. No, for anything. Because his any whole philosophy. Because yeah. he was talking about the whole time. His whole philosophy. Today, is that today, now, now is the moment. Forget about tomorrow. Now, now, now. And so all he wants to do is keep having sex with three girls at a time. That's yeah. all he cares about. Yeah. You know, he's right. just and a mo- he's a he's an idiot and a maniac. But he doesn't care about the violence. He just wants to get his dick sucked. Yeah. And Bugliosi, he said that Manson had told them a local Hopi Indian legend that in which. There were three underground cities in California, one of which was in Death Valley. And the legend described a race of lizard people exactly. who 5,000 years ago built three underground cities. And Charlie supposedly told the family about an underground city of gold with a lake of life. Well, let's which just he, say probably, he probably, he probably did. did. Man, there's a city out there gold a with a bunch story. of lizard people. And there's an underground city full of gold with a lake of life. Especially later it. on when you're trying to have to rebuild the story. And once you blurted out the helter skelter thing and how there's water underground, now you're taking acid. Now now everybody's hanging out. Yeah. He's desperate to keep the group together. He yeah. should have told them how to spell it. Yes. He should, definitely yeah. should have mentioned how to spell Helter Skelter. That would have helped. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, and Charlie, he said the whole thing about the desert was that I love being out there, so, and so did some of the kids, the hassles we were getting from the police, my rap about possible troubles with the races, and the picture of a better place to live put the kids into a game for anything frame of mind. So the kids mm-hmm. are still like 17, 18 years old now. What's that? They've only aged a what? A year, a year. two a year years? Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I would say the average age. How long have they been in the age, desert for now? I don't know, three months? Yeah. Three months, okay. Because yeah. it kept bouncing back and forth from the desert to Los Angeles. Yeah, right. from the desert. And they also had another house in Los Angeles that they called the Yellow Submarine. They were in three locations at this point. They were going right. between the Yellow Submarine, Spawn Ranch, and the Barker Ranch out in Death Valley. Because technically, he was also still like, there is another attempt right. of him recording an album in this in this time period, and he sucked at it. And he just, he just couldn't do it. Yeah, he just couldn't do it, yeah. Uh, so as far as the songs go... In uh, the White Album, there were a few. So, I mean, you got to remember. Okay, Helter Skelter. Yeah, you listen to it. It's a real like. It's a fucking scary song. It's, it's awesome. Like, I mean, it's a precursor to punk. It's, great. it's a fucking amazing song. But this is also a song on the White Album. Yeah. This is Yay. another song on the White Album. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Takes me yeah. back to college, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. See, I did a lot of drugs for this album, and I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just, I mean, Obla Di Obla Da is a very, you know, like, that's a very simple, easy song. It's from Life Goes On. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And there's other songs on. And so now he started building all of the songs in the Wyatt album yeah. into his philosophy. He starts building them all together. Damn. And there are other there are other albums on there. Like this this song is, I mean, this is truly one of my favorite songs ever, Happiness is a Warm Gun, which this is a pretty dark song. And he said that Happiness is a Warm Gun was warning the blacks to arm against the whites uh-huh. in the coming race war. But Happiness is a Warm Gun is a fantastic song. I think song. that's a good point because if I know anything about black culture, they love to the Beatles. (laughs) And they were all going out to get the newest Beatle LP as soon as it came out. Yeah. And uh, the one that they supposedly listened to the most was a song called Blackbird. And so Blackbird, yeah, they now said... Now, this, uh, this yeah, song, man, you like, can see, man, every time I get fucking pumped like, up. When I uh-oh. fucking, when I listen to Blackbird, it's like, mayhem. fuck, man, like, I want to fucking take the system down, so let's fucking listen to... Yeah, fucking, I want to get fucking yeah, let's pumped fucking up, dude. I'm to take right. off my shirt. Yeah, yeah, i leave your shirt on. Yeah, let's fucking take a listen right. to Blackbird. Blackbird singing in the dead mm. of night. Fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> let's kill cool. some fucking people. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. 
If you play it really loud, it sounds oh, aggressive. Yeah. I'm gonna stab a pregnant woman in the belly tonight. Mm, cut out the child, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Very Blackbird. Cool. And Charlie believed that Blackbird was uh, the Beatles telling black people that it was their turn to rise up into power. Cool, and yeah. that they were being programmed to start the revolution. Definitely. It's possible. Yeah. Absolutely, it is. It, is. Yeah. it definitely is. Yeah, and another fucking song, another, a song right. called fucking Piggies. It was saying that there was a line yeah. of like, "What they need's a damn good whack." Yeah, get the pigs. Yeah. What yeah. they need's a damn good whack, and it's the next. It's the next track on the album. Here's fucking piggies. <sighs> this is this is is this NWA? I'm not as pumped up by this song. <laughs> I like this one because it makes me think of warm pigs in a blanket. Is it I sad love that I, pigs in I, a blanket. I, I close my eyes and I see myself like opening my mouth and tiny little pigs walking into my <laughs> mouth? <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, and Sexy Sadie. Uh, we know, they, yeah, yeah they Sexy saw, Sadie. Well, they saw that as a sign uh, that they weren't talking because, to them. Because he had named Susan Atkins Sadie earlier that year. Right. Uh, so he thought, okay, this is something like this is how the they're in tune with my fucking mind. Yeah, synchronicities. Like, and Honey Pie, like, was another thing. Uh, honey Pie was my favorite. They said that Honey Pie meant uh, the line, Honey Pie, you're making me crazy. I'm in love, but I'm lazy, so won't you please come home? That meant that the Beatles were too lazy to go look for Jesus and wanted Charlie to come find and them. I oh, wish that, that Charlie sense. had went and showed up at the Abbey Road. I wish he had showed up. Yeah. He's been like, <laughs> hey, guys, you've been calling for me, huh? Yeah. Hey, so you guys got any, like, free food or something? Hey, Paul, you, you got any maybe shoes or something the way I, lo I lost my shoes? Yeah. <laughs> they would have let him right in. They would have loved him. So, yeah, oh, yeah, Charlie. Come on in. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look <laughs> the Beatles. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good accent. Yeah, that's yeah. A Liverpool. Liverpool. Liverpublian. Liverpublian, yeah. yeah. They call them. Oh, Charlie, I hope you want to suck my dick. No, he probably would, yeah. yeah. Oh, Charlie. It seems like all you got to do, do to get Charlie Manson to suck your dick is to ask nicely. Ask yeah. <laughs> he definitely seems surprised by the money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, because he's just like, I don't know who'd pay for this. That's I'm not necessarily a professional. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so in early 1969, the family's getting bigger, and they need, and they're also moving out to the desert. The only problem with living out in the desert is that you're a long way from supplies, so you have to buy supplies in a larger quantity. And so he becomes obsessed with making dune buggies, and they steal credit cards. Going he's to obsessed Costco. with these dune buggies. Yeah, dune buggies. It is his biggest obsession is dune buggies. Dune buggies are very fun to yeah, play with. Yeah, they just, they steal yeah. VW bugs and they convert them into dune but buggies now, because it's all a part of his desert plans. If, if we're going to live in the desert, right. we're going to need some way to get around and also dune buggies are awesome. Dune buggies. But he, so at this time he's waiting for this money that's supposed to show up for his album. It doesn't show up. They have no money. They're they're running out of time. They're run, Basically, he's trying to figure out what to do. So he, in his mind, Manson's like, I'm going to have to go back to my old tricks. I'm going to have to break my vow. I need to get back into crime. Yeah, and so right. he starts hanging out with biker uh, biker groups, uh, biker groups including the Easy Riders uh, and Satan Slaves. Yeah. The funny thing mm. about Satan Slaves is when the Manson family was first caught, they uh, the press named them Satan Slaves because the biker gang was involved. And they're like, hey the now, hey, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I technically Satan Slaves is copyrighted. You can talk to our lawyer. This is Irv Schleichman. Uh, he, yeah. uh, he is our lawyer. I said, yes, uh, technically the, the Satan Slaves is copyrighted. So please, uh, <laughs> we will sue it. for defamation of character. Yeah. My buddy here, Chains, has got to rape a woman at one. So if we can get over this uh, this meeting <laughs> really quick, that'd be great. 
<laughs> so Terry Melcher, he comes back, comes back out one last time. He to films take a them. Listen. He films them. Yeah. And he was, and then his result was, uh, he said that um, it was mediocre. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure that it was. Yeah. Yes, mediocre. So in June of 1969, Tex Watson, he fucks over a black 300-pound drug dealer named mm. Bernard Lotsa Papa Crow. Which was a mistake. He yeah. literally went and <laughs> just yeah, showed basic Papa Crow. The way it goes down is that like Tex goes, steals uh, weed, it's like weed and money from this guy. So right? like, good idea. It's like two grand. Yeah, yeah, and so he leaves. Charlie gets a call just being like, is this Tex? I have this chick. No, he said, is Charlie there? Yeah. Right? Like, his like, name Charlie, is Charlie. Like, the, the girl, because uh, Tex Watson was living with the woman in L.A., and uh, she told him, and he's like, and Crow shows up and says, where's my fucking money? Where's my fucking drugs? And she says, okay, let me call Charlie. Charlie and, will fix yeah, it. Yeah, Charlie will fix it. But yeah. remember, Tex Watson's first name is also Charlie. So she calls out to the ranch, and she says, Charlie, you got to come help me. Except it's Charles Manson on the phone. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What the fuck is going on here? The guy, uh, Crow, the drug dealer, gets on the phone and says, you get here, you get me my money right now, or I'm going to fucking kill this bitch. And so Charles says, okay. He goes, All he right. goes to like, one thing we know about lots of Papa Crow, he ain't messing yeah. around. <laughs> and he goes, and then Charlie literally goes to all the bikers hanging around and being like, so, like, any of y'all want to, like, come with me? Maybe help me? And they're all like, oh, actually, um... I gotta shine my bike a little bit. It's amazing how busy people can get when lots of Papa Crow wants to murder you. And so he brings along a member of the family, just kind of a a weak little kid, and they bring a gun along. Uh, And the DA says that uh, Tex was under Charlie's direction to steal money from this drug dealer to start the race war. But really, Manson's explanation sounds a lot more plausible. Pretty plausible. He basically just showed up. Um, the the whole scenario heightened. He showed him the gun. He was just like, you know, he basically tried to trade his life. According to Manson, he tried to trade his life for the girl's life. He was like, I'm just trying to buy time, trying to buy time. Let me go and get some money. I'll get you I some get money. Tomorrow. I'll get it tomorrow. Blah, blah, blah. Lots of Papa's like, no fucking way. Where's my, I want my money now. He kept, he's like, I'll give you four hours. He's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to give you two hours. And then finally, Charles Manson turns the gun on him. The, the, the lots of Papa's like, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to fucking kill me? He pulls the trigger, click. Lots of Papa grabs the gun, starts choking Charlie out, pushing him against the wall. Meanwhile, Charlie hmm. still got the still got the gun in his hands, sticking in his belly, going click, 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 and then finally, I guess there was two bullets in him. Bam! Shoots him in the stomach, and they fucking get the hell out of there. Yeah. Except he grabs one of the he says he grabs one of his buddy's shirts, one of yeah. the other one of the enforcer shirts. He's like, I liked his doe skin skirt and shirt, and he was so scared of me that I t- I asked him for it. <laughs> That's great. Charles is the man, yeah. and he said that he felt no remorse whatsoever for it. No, he was right. going to get yeah. killed. Yeah. He but then it was yeah, self-defense. But what happened was later that night, and Charlie believed that he had killed the guy. He didn't know, because lots of Papa, he didn't die. He just bled for a while, uh, got himself fixed up by some sort of criminal doctor, uh, and never reported it to the police. But later on that night. An uh, HMO. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, you know. Think yeah. about well, that. I, I know what that's all about. Sorry, we're talking about health care. <laughs> don't get us started on here in last podcast on the left, talking about universal health care. Well, yeah. We're going to talk some truth to power next week.
week. Mm-hmm. So later that night, Charlie's watching TV with one of his buddies, and he sees a news report that says that a high-ranking member of the Black Panthers had been murdered. He's so his retarded. body he dumped just, on a, the hospital's front lawn. So yeah, he just immediately thinks right. like, oh my god, I killed a black person! Which is just like, that's such a high thought. That's such like a yeah. stone. Like, you know I mean? like, I know I shot a black guy tonight, and that black guy, he had to have been in the Panthers. Oh, this is me. One. This is me. It's me. I'm do- I did. I killed somebody. Yeah, and so his paranoia go- kicks into high fucking gear because he now believes that the Black Panthers are going to come down on the Manson family. So he starts right. now, like during this time period, he starts talking about this race war more and more and more. Yeah, he and said it, the kids at the ranch caught the worst of my paranoia. So this shit but about the race war is just seeping into all right, these right. And, and specifically seeping into Tex Watson's brain. Because Tex Watson, he is essentially responsible for the start of this yeah, whole Tex thing. Tex is a and moron. He, and, he's a, and Charlie's just fucking putting it into his head like, this is your fault, Tex. This whole thing is your fault. You started this. You're bringing the Black Panthers down to this. And you need to fucking right. fix Figure it. Figure it out. And so, and then also, they're looking for money from Terry Melcher at this point. Things are really tough. Uh, and I like this breakdown that he has of Charlie, yeah. where Terry Melcher, which is such a producer uh, like line, mm. where he goes and asks for the money that he owes him for the recording. And he's like, Charlie, there's mixed emotions about promoting you. You're unpredictable. You amaze me at times. And other times, disappoint the hell out of me. Jacobson told me this morning you were involved with shooting some Negro. So, frankly, for the time being, we're. Are skeptical about investing any time or money in you. Right. Yeah. That's about as nice as you can possibly say. You're a lunatic. Please leave now. You killed yeah. somebody. Get, Get the fuck out of my office, please. please. Why yeah. And he had gone to the Beach Boys accountant, and he had fucked with them right. too. His mouth got the better, and he said, "You know what, man? You owe me the money, and it's a long overdue bill. Just pay up, or I'm gonna do something to make you regret it. Like one of these nights, you might go home and see nothing but charred embers where your house was." Oh yeah. Oh. Charles Manson like, is now he's, he's upping his off game. The rails. He's off the rails, and the problem here too is that every single time he expands his like image to somebody and tells somebody he's gonna hurt him they're gonna now they're expecting results yeah now like they're expecting him to fulfill the other end and 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 fulfill his threats yeah Exactly. And so this is finally after Terry Melcher says, no, nuh-uh, this isn't going to happen. That compa- uh, combined with the paranoia of the Black Panther, like Charlie, he's done with the world. Yes. The world is over. And he's just going on rants all the time about the world is not for them. They will never accept them. Kind of like Jim Jones. Same yeah. thing, where it's just like once the, the heat mm-hmm. starts coming down, he starts putting it into so he can spread the blame. Yeah. So he can everybody. spread the blame around. And so, of course, they're still dealing drugs at this time. And one of their biggest connections was a man named Gary Hinman. And Gary Hinman is described as being pretty much the consummate nice guy drug dealer. Yes, he was like the Owley, the guy that invented LSD. He was just a scientist that was a friend of hippies that had made a bunch of drugs that would kind of give him out. He was a true hippie. Yeah. Yeah. He was like Stephen Wright's character in Half Baked. Just kind of hanged out on the couch and uh, everyone loved him because he always had drugs. And he let the Manson family stay over at his house all the time. A very welcoming guy. But he made mescaline and he had made a big batch for some bikers in which the the Manson family was the connect. Unfortunately, the batch was bad made a lot of bikers and their customers deathly ill, so of Uh-oh. course the bikers wanted their money back. Uh, Inman's and, like, no way. Well, yeah. There's no like, returns. Like, this isn't Kmart. 
No, yeah. exactly. No, you didn't buy a lawnmower but that didn't work. Hinman even said to them, just being like, hey, if you can give me the drugs, I'll check them out and I can fix them up. And they're like, well, no, the bikers toss the drugs. And he's like, then I'm not giving you any fucking yeah, fuck money. Off. Yeah, you yeah, it's two grand. All the drugs. Yeah, yeah it's, two, it's two grand. It's a lot of fucking money. I mean, it's like 10 grand. Sure. Days. It's yeah. a lot. Uh, and so Charlie's on the phone with uh, with Hinman. And he's And he's fighting. Like, I yeah. mean, he's just fucking screaming and yelling. And Susan Atkins is sitting right next to him. And Charlie slams the phone down and he just kind of mutters, like, oh, to kill the motherfucker. And then in Charles Manson's words, he turns to Sadie and jokingly says, Winks at her. Yeah, go kill him for me, Sadie, which is the thing that. That Bugliosi uses against him forever as yeah. a direct command. He says he did it as a joke. I think it was somewhere between the two. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I think know. it was somewhere between, it's like, go kill him, Sadie. It's like, and I thought, you know, man, if she does, I ain't going to mind all that much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. That's kind of what, not a direct quote, but if you want to, go ahead. So basically, they go to go intimidate. It's it's Bobby Boussoulier and uh, Susan Atkins and Mary Bruner go to go intimidate Hinman. He, they would look for money. He's not giving them anything. So, um, <laughs> trio, they call. They called Charlie. Yeah. I love this whole thing. Yeah. Manson, knowing him and was like a freak behind some kind of Japanese Buddhism, he grabbed a sword given to him by a biker to intimidate his ass with a display of Oriental swordsmanship. Oh, Direct cool. quote. Direct quote. Yeah. 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 This Oriental Very swordsmanship. Cool. He went over to Hemmings place, but in reality, the quote unquote sword was just a two foot blade uh, taped to a piece of wood yeah. and he was uh, looking it was, around it, yeah. and he called it his magic blade but it was it was something that a biker <laughs> made when he shank. was fucked up it yeah. sounds exactly I bet you he looked exactly like that uh, Star Wars kid the first kid to go viral <laughs> who filmed himself all fat <laughs> flipping around you cannot see the blade because it is moving too fast so in an attempt to try to intimidate Bob or to intimidate him and into giving him their money Charlie Cut off Hinman's ear. Which is just also a pussy thing, cool. too, because yeah. he kind of just, like, did it. He kind of went like, like ah. <laughs> uh, And Bruner, I mean, to her credit, she did sew his ear back on with dental floss. Oh, great. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a nice minty uh, flavor and smell to it. Mm, so Charlie leaves, uh, and he leaves Bobby, Mary, and Susan alone with Hinman. Uh, and the next morning, the trio, they drive up in Hinman's VW bus. And he's like, where's Hinman? Yeah, he's like, where's him? And, like, why do you have his bus? And Bobby just said, well, like, he started screaming, and we didn't want the cops to come in, so we killed him. Meanwhile, uh, uh, what's her spots? Then they wrote political piggy on the wall in his blood to start to, as a thing to Charlie being like, listen, no, but now what we've done here is that we're going to start the race war. We're going to do it. Yeah. We're doing what you wanted us yeah. to do, Charlie. They, he wrote political piggy yeah. on the wall and then put a bloody paw, plant, paw yeah. print. And then make Charlie it, went like, make it look brilliant. like the Black Panthers yeah. did it. Yeah, then Charlie went like, gulp. Ooh, yeah, he, uh-oh. Did, he said his first thought, his first thought after they told him was, that's two now. Yeah, and wow. before they were done, eight more people would be dead. It's oh, really we'll interesting. Talk about that. Yeah, and next week we're going to go into the really violent murders, and then we're going to see Charlie uh, at his best. Live from prison. <laughs> yep. Uh, sort of like is- Johnny Cash, live from Folsom Prison, but then Johnny got to leave. Yes. And Charles yeah, yeah. De- never did. Yes. Uh, no. I do. Uh, I love this story. Charles Manson is such an. It's very interesting when you watch it because it's not like any other story that we've ever covered here. He really is a story of a lifelong criminal. Yeah. That. Yeah. That. He set up all the pieces, and then it played itself out all in just the worst ways possible. It's but just it, a, a man, a bad general with a real dumb arm. And I do <laughs> want to say that, like, I remember, like, because I, I know this this group thing, too, where there was a period of time when uh, Eddie and I were living together. We had a bunch of crust punks living with us. 
And they would come and they would pull the mirrors off the walls and they were doing like lines of Adderall all night. And Eddie told me the story. But one night we had a very sweet roommate. He was just kind of like a, a good sweet endearing punk with his friend who was like crazy. And they were up all night doing Adderall and Eddie was up. And so they're in there in the other room and they're like, ride or die, man. Ride or die. Tonight, man. We're going to get a gun. We're gonna go fucking kill somebody, man. Cool. And they're like, yeah, and they're like, yeah, cool. yeah, let's go fucking kill somebody. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, we're gonna get, we're gonna go up, we're gonna shoot a fucking cop, man. And it's like, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. He's like, the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna get a gun. We're gonna go in the other room. We're gonna kill your fucking roommates. And then we're gonna go down the street and we're gonna shoot a cop in the head. And then our buddy was just like, hey, man, let's not kill my roommates. They're like, they're like cool. They're good. <laughs> yeah, and then nice. he was just like, you know what? It's true. Your roommates are like cool and funny. We won't kill your roommates. And Eddie was just like in the other room, like like listeners going like, "Don't kill the roommates." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, yeah, but this is you know, and that's you know, I mentioned it earlier. You could, I think, the uh, the nearest analog that you could come to the Manson family uh, today is gutter punks, crust yes. punks. Yep. Like that's what these people were. They were fucking crust punks. Right. Um, um, well, that's right, it. Everyone, so, yeah. phase two. Uh, I I'm, I'm hope everyone had a happy Halloween. I had mm -hmm. a wonderful Halloween. So did I. I had um, such a great Halloween. So good. One you of the best Halloweens I've ever had, I'd say. Like this year, nice. all, all of the good Halloween feelings that people sent our way, it fucking worked. It really man. worked. So, hail cool. Satan, everybody. Uh, hail yourselves. And uh, let's see, any major announcements here? Do we have anything to say? Yes. Uh, we uh, put, said some at the top of the episode, but it will help us out so much to keep this show free and to make us just a little bit of money if you go to podsurvey.com slash last and take a survey so we can get ourselves some advertisers. And that would be incredible it, because it costs no money. To, we won't be asking you for money. We will, never, we will never ask you for money. We will never require you to give money to pay for this show. It will for, like, always. Survey. It will all always be free. It's short. It's anonymous. And you have a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. That's great. Yeah, that's podsurvey.com slash last. It's going to help us out so, so, so fucking much. You know, it's like mm. we gave you a lot of stuff for free. Small thing uh, to just help us get a couple of advertisers. Do it for Satan. And you can even put Hail Satan in the comments and you they'll can, see where that it's Yeah, yeah. Out. You can put Hail Satan in the comments. You can do whatever you want. But yeah, be sure to go to podsurvey.com slash last. And if you want a last podcast t-shirt, uh, cavecomedyradio.com slash last podcast on the left. Uh, and, and follow you can us get on Twitter. There. Yeah. Uh, that's Henry Loves You on Twitter, Marcus Parks. And I'm Ben Kissel. And uh, I'll do a hail yourselves. Hail me! Halkeen. Me gusta leer. Cheer up, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go out on a song? Yeah, let's go out on a song. like this. Let's go out on something that... Uh, Let's get some of the sensitive side of Charlie. There's a song called People Say I'm No Good. People say I'm no good. My panties are sopping. It's great. <laughs> but they never, never do they say Why their world so mixed up on oh, how it got that way. I'm having one. <laughs>